It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program. The phones are open. If you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Matt. And Bonnie. Of course, uh, you can bring up anything that is the point of this show here. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. Uh, we always bring things in that you might find interesting to discuss. Coming up, Matt, you're going to give us uh, the rundown of some of the gun-related news, because that's one of your favorite topics. It's been a busy week. And you're kind of our uh, resident expert. I am the that, gun nut. In that area. Uh, so we can talk about that. Plus, last night we did get into uh, the inflation story. Which was still over eight percent. It was eight point three percent, according to the government's highly manipulated uh, numbers. The CPI they had predicted uh, that it was going to be lower than that, but it's it, it is like a fraction of a uh, like two ten two tenths of a percent lower than it was last month. But according to Fox but Business, you should explain to the listener. Does that mean that inflation stopped going up because it's different from last month? Uh, no, inflation is continuing to uh, to go up. That's a good point, Bonnie. Yep. Yeah, because so it's just comparing the rate of inflation from April 2021 to the rate of inflation to in April 2022. Correct. Uh, I mean, it is not up as as much, but just barely. I mean, we're talking about a very small statistical number here. Uh, it has not gone into the double digits like the producer price index has done. And according to the uh, Fox Business report here, that number, I guess, came out today looking at the month of April. Producer price index is not just in the double digits. It's at 11% for April. Now, again, that's quote-unquote down if you compare it to March's 11.2%. But a very, very small difference there. And still, that is not going to make anyone feel good when they go and pay prices at the store because if the producers are paying more that means the customers are going to pay more Mm -hmm. because the businesses can only absorb loss for so long they will try some of them they will and some of them do it better than others actually i've I've been sitting on a a show prep for a couple weeks now about the amazon uh tea or Arizona tea. Sorry, I was starting with an A. Oh, yeah, Arizona, Arizona tea. 99 cents. Yeah, still 99 cents. Still 99 cents? Yeah, and, and the, the, it's an interesting story. It's one of those pieces about... I don't see that as a viable business decision. Yeah, do they, they sell anything else? They do. They have some other brands that make them a little bit more money, I guess, mm-hmm. that, that they sell. But that's something that we could talk about coming up here in a moment. But that that's one example of a business that is just basically eating away at their profits in 100%. order to keep their product... The way it's always been. But that can only go for so long in an environment where you have 11% month after month wholesale inflation rate, where you've got crazy money printing that just keeps on going. Hostile central bank, hostile politicians. Yeah. I mean, so kudos to them for holding it down as long as they have. But you have to wonder when when that's when that's going to break. Uh, if you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. I, you know, I didn't want to say much more about this. The num- number go up uh, and number go down slightly, but still up in the double digits you know, as far as wholesale price inflation. A big problem with, you know, people like people love everything to be free range and organic except their economy. Ooh, yeah. And I never understood that 
that failure of thought on the part of most people. Yeah, I don't think they think very much about it at all. No, they they think that somebody's going to push some buttons and pull some levers and it'll all be fixed. Well, pushing buttons and pulling levers is what ruined it all in the first place. Absolutely. You know, economies are things that need to grow. They need to just, you plant the seed and you walk away. And the way the seed is planted in the economy is by people meeting with other people and ironing out a deal for anything, a stick of bubble gum. That's where it all starts. Yeah, and the government, of course, staying out of the way. It'd be nice if they didn't exist at all, but you know, if they're going to be there, then they should leave people the hell alone and let them run their business totally. the way they want and let the marketplace decide. And this this civilization, this this culture that we're living in, you know, Western, the, you know, the United States in particular, it was a country that built itself from absolutely nothing, just you know, a farmer economy yep. into the most powerful country in the world, the most powerful the economy in the world yep. in a matter of 50 or 60 years. Mm-hmm. And then the Industrial Revolution happened and it made it even stronger. So, I mean, yeah. what, why why did we, when they started regulating everything in sight and licensing everything and asking and requiring permission slips for everything in sight, how, at what point did that make anything better for anybody? People have been taking that lying down. That's probably one of the most, if you want to strike at the root of tyranny, that is probably one place you should start. And it's regulatory capture and sure. licensing. And it, people don't, I don't think people realize how important it is to defy that and, you know, throw that on the coals and let it burn it, a little bit. It's just like boring legalese documents to them instead of like oh we oppose abortion being illegal you know that's something it exciting doesn't have for the sizzle yeah is what yeah. you're saying but i i completely agree that it's one of the most important things yeah well and this comes to uh something i did this afternoon i was on a panel discussion about cbdc's aka the central bank digital mm. currency and that's a that's an idea that they've been tossing around for the last couple of years, and it seems to be getting more serious. They're issuing more reports, more boring uh, paperwork about this stuff. And it's just so many people in this sector take regulation for granted as though, well, that's just the way it's got to be. We've got to yep. do our know your customer. We've got to jump through all these hoops. And uh, it doesn't help. All it does is it helps the established business owners protect them from competition. Yeah. That's what it does every time, whether we're talking about the SEC regulating quote-unquote securities, uh, this high level where they're attacking crypto companies left and right now, or we're talking about the, the lowest level local government regulator, the health board supervisor in you know downtown <laughs> fill-in-the-blank city, or the state of New Hampshire regulating hair braiding or whatever. Whatever it is we're talking about it's always the same story the regulators claim they're on the side of the consumer but the reality is the consumer is not actually protected it is the established businesses whether we're talking about uber uh, coming in and challenging the existing taxi cab companies which they were able to do successfully because they never went and asked permission they just did it they just came out with a product into the marketplace boom they did their research first but they didn't tell anybody they didn't ask anybody say hey can we do this we'd really like to do this because of course if you do that to the government they're going to say well whoa whoa there partner you just can't start a new business especially a business we don't understand and we've never seen before yeah and something that worries me about crypto uh not not crypto at all but 
people, uh, you know, the un- unknowing average person about cryptocurrency, then I heard crypto was getting banned. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I, I got bad news for the people who are going to ban it because crypto doesn't care if it's banned or not. Crypto is going to transact. Crypto, the genie is out of the bottle and it's not going away no matter what anybody says. And I don't, the, the central bank digital currency people, I think, are just... I think that's the only reaction they I think that's the only play they have in their book at all is ban it is is to well to create a digital currency that's not encrypted mm. and declare something else banned which is sure. man they're they're they're, they got a steep hill to climb on that one. I noticed Monero went up a lot as all the other um S coins went down really this recently. Week. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's good to know. Heard about. Yeah, that makes me happy cuz I saw I love Monero. Monero was just down this week. So, well, everything's been down this week. Yeah, but it's been brutal. In the ranking of top cryptos, it went up. Good deal. Nice. Glad to hear that. Uh, if you want to weigh in here, the number is 603-283-6160. Phones are, of course, open. Uh, on the way, Matt, we're going to get into your update. You've, you want to talk about the latest from the gun freedom scene. Will we be seeing some changes? Are there some chess pieces in motion? And you've got a story about that. Your thoughts? Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves here on Free Talk Live. Don't forget, you can join our social media platform over at social.freetalklive.com and interact with other Free Talk Live listeners and some of the hosts there. That's social.freetalklive.com. Phones are open. You can join us on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Phones are open. You can join us here at 603-283-6160 and bring up whatever is on your mind. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. Matt. And Bonnie. Join us online anytime you want over at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. If you're ready to get into the world of cryptocurrency... Might be a good time, uh, considering it looks like just about everything is on sale uh, with Bitcoin below $30,000 for the last couple of days. I think it's been floating at around 28000 today, if I recall correctly. So it's my like bloodbath. It, it's, it's pretty brutal out there. But, of course, it's still higher than it was two years ago. So. Bitcoin's dead. <laughs> I beg to differ, although it <laughs> looks like it's up to about 29000 right now. So you want to learn the basics about uh, cryptocurrency, get on over to Bitcoin.com. Click Get Started at the top of the page there, and you can find some introductory videos that will help you understand uh, some of the basic concepts. And there are some new ideas that are in play here, so you really ought to get them down. Uh, and you can start that process over at Bitcoin.com. Again, click Get Started at the top of the page. We're going to get to um, uh, Matt's story about some of the gun news out there in the United States. But first, let's go to the phones here and talk to Mark in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark. Hey. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Sure. Appreciate it. What's on your mind? Well, uh, yeah, I've listened to you guys for a while. Um, now, I'm not a libertarian, I, but I do appreciate, especially, you know, your attitude towards authority uh, to the police uh, and um you know, just being skeptical of authority, I think that's healthy. Uh, I think a little too much skepticism, though, leads to kind of like chasing your tail and never really knowing uh, what the truth is, which I, I'm not going to get into now. But you were mentioning um, 
you know, just the problem with inflation and, and of course, just free markets and competition. And I was curious, are you guys, uh, are you guys a pro uh, antitrust? Because if you recall in history, you know, the turn of the century, and I think that, you know, Theodore Roosevelt was famous for this, but you know, there were a lot of very destructive monopolies that were broken up by Congress, uh, which led to a lot of healthy competition. Of course, you have Bell Telephone, that's a more recent example. Uh, which I, in my lifetime I noticed uh, a, a big change for the better. Do you guys support any kind of congressional be, uh, action on, say, breaking up? I know big tech is one of those things that's been discussed, but I never heard Republicans really go all the way with trying to break them up, uh, especially when you know Trump was in power and they had a little more clout in no, Congress. We, we've talked about this on the air before, at least me and Ian. I don't know if Matt was on this show, but we've talked about how uh, – Apple shouldn't have been forced to be broken up. I don't think that any company Apple should was be... broken up. Wasn't it Apple or another iPhone Mac or I don't know how they? I don't recall that. We talked about that before with I think Chris Wade. Hmm. Uh, uh, I, I can give you my two cents. Yeah, on please. It. Uh, th- I, no, I I don't think the I think the Sherman Antitrust Act is a horrible thing. Um, and here's why: I've all it did was break up a gigantic monopoly into tiny little segments of itself all still owned by the same people so it didn't make it didn't scatter anything to the winds it didn't delete any power in fact just it's like they they went in and split up a cancer cell and instead of having one big cancer cell that was by its very nature essentially suicidal uh and i'll explain that in a sec um they ended up with you know dozen little cancer cells which then reproduce their own little problems so the reason i say that a monopoly is suicidal is because they get so big and their product starts to suck and what it starts to look like is the same product that you would find under communism like where you have a centralized control that's making the same thing for everybody and everybody dresses in gray and all the cars are gray and none of them run on the showroom floor it's just (laughs) garbage you know there when you have competition um Things are better, obviously, but when stuff starts to fall apart so bad that new technologies have to come around. Also, by the way, a lot of our modern monopolies come from um, intellectual property laws that protecting uh, an idea. Yeah. Nobody else is allowed right. to come to market with a with a similar or or equal uh, thing because they'll be sued for it. So uh, that said, I think allowing a monopoly to run its course. And don't mess with it. Let people get real angry with the product and service they're getting. Somebody else is going to come along with another idea um, that's going to be better and more viable and uh, more friendly and not gray and boring. Uh, so, no, I, I don't think this. I think the Sherman Antitrust Act was uh, last I knew the Sherman Antitrust Act was actually written by Standard Oil lawyers, <laughs> of course. So if that that should be a dead giveaway, politicians didn't write that bill. Lawyers wrote that bill. And you just find out who the lawyers worked for. They worked they worked for Stand, for Standard Oil. They were Rockefeller lawyers. So basically, what you're saying is there really should there really needs to be kind of an overhaul and a, another look at the mechanisms to prevent that sort of you know not just breaking up. Yeah, so it's like price fixing. So you might have you might break up an industry, but they are all in collusion again. To keep prices at a certain level, yeah. I'm finding that with big oil, and of course, with you know uh, chicken processing plants, you know you've got a few players in the game, uh-huh. and you really 
heavily yeah, regulated. Like yeah, while we're heavily regu- regulated, that's what seems silly to me. It's like th- there are still things that people consider monopolies and there's extreme amounts of uh, regulation now. Why not just not ha- feel like you have to meddle with everything? And, you know, why do you think one person or one group of people can just figure out exactly how it how it needs to work better than the people who are doing business with these companies. Right. And if you want to look at in a modern day real world setting, more and more popular now, people want to get food that they know where it came from. They don't want to get chicken from Tyson. They want to get it right. from the farm down the road. But the chicken from Tyson is $1.99 a pound. But the chicken from down the road, it's free range organic. I know where it comes from. He's charging eight ninety nine a pound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, like. But he he's required by law his little tiny operation to move all of his chicken through a state inspector processing plant that's, you know, prohibitively expensive for him to do. Mm-hmm. And all the licensing and the nutrition facts. And now all this stuff is stuff that the that Tyson, they've got a trillion dollar payroll they can get people With to tons handle. tons of attorneys. And they, have yeah. live, they literally have USDA people, FDA people who live at the plant. Uh, the mm-hmm. little guy down the road can't afford to do that. So again, we're just running into more government regulation, making it harder and harder for us as consumers to get what we really want in the name of somehow protecting us. Well, I, I think you guys touched on it, but it deserves uh, reiteration. That is that the regulations are written by the existing players every time. You know, even Uber has gotten into writing regulations so they can keep other people out of now their marketplace. And Mm -hmm. so every time the regulations are written by the existing players, you also get what's called regulatory capture, where the regulatory agencies themselves are, in many cases, staffed, board members and such, are made up of the people that run the businesses. Mm -hmm. So they get their people on the inside of the state, and they totally control the apparatus of regulation from top to bottom. As the Department of Agriculture has always been run by a Monsanto person. Yeah, so, and then, (laughs) uh, you know, of course, uh, once... It was Microsoft. Microsoft was broken up? Yep. Well, yeah, they went through all the antitrust stuff. And we talked about it on the show. They've been walking the line with that since they were started. Mark, if you can hang on, want to continue the discussion, uh, stand by if you can. The number is 603-283-6160, because I think it also, it's important to focus a little bit more on the concept of a monopoly and what it is, because you really can't have a monopoly, a true one, without government force backing it up. There's more coming up. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com Talk Live. Phones are open here, and you can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Talking about monopolies, uh, and that's thanks to a phone call that Mark is uh, still on the line, so we're going to get back into uh, that discussion here. But with you tonight, it's Ian, Matt, and Bonnie. And I do want to say thanks to Gavin68, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS Patreon, which you can join over at amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. You can get signed up there with your PayPal or your 
debit card or your credit card over at amps.freetalklive.com. It helps us advertise, market, promote, and support what we do here, spreading the ideas of liberty and peace around the United States and beyond. You get some cool benefits by joining over at amps.freetalklive.com. Bonnie, I had to look it up just because it just didn't ring a bell with me, and there apparently was... Uh, a court decision at the district court, federal district court level, ordering Microsoft to be broken into two separate units, one to produce the operating system and one to produce other software components. However, on appeal, the appeals court reversed that ruling and said, nope, you don't have to break up Microsoft, but you can come at them again with something else. And so the Department of Justice announced in 2001, just before September 11th, actually, that it was no longer seeking to break up Microsoft and would instead seek a lesser antitrust penalty. And then, uh, according to this story here, in the next month or two months later, they reached an agreement to settle the case. And that proposed settlement required Microsoft to share its application programming interfaces with third-party companies and appoint a panel of three people would have full access to their systems records and code for five years in order to ensure compliance. So that was it. That was the end of that story. They didn't actually get broken up. Hmm. Uh, But let's get back into the discussion here with Mark in Connecticut. There was a point I wanted to focus on a little bit here because, Mark, you brought up a couple of examples. You said you were asking us, you said, well, do you guys support antitrust actions? Do you support, you know, the government coming in and breaking up a so-called monopoly? And you gave an example of, uh, you didn't specify, but the, you know, the 1800s, I suspect you were getting at uh, Rockefeller's oil company. Is that, was that one of them? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's Standard Oil, but, you know, um, and I agree that that, you know, did break up companies to form smaller companies owned by the same people. Uh, and, of course, price fixing was part of that. But I wanted to mention before I go, that um, and we, you know, AT and T, I think, is the most recent example, and that's not well. That yeah, you also mentioned Bell, and that, as I understand it, was a government enforced monopoly from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, it made sense in the beginning. Um, no, it doesn't make a lot sense. Of monopolies too. Yeah, it never it never makes well, sense. It only makes sense for the monopoly because they get to exclude other competitors from the marketplace. And this is what I wanted to come back to before you you make whatever your next point was going to be. When you go back and you look at the oil uh, standard oil, uh, from my understanding, and I've not deeply studied this particular issue, but from my understanding of that time, this was as close as someone could come to a non-government enforced monopoly. Natural monopoly. Yeah, and it was done through, and this is very unusual because usually when you get a monopoly, it's because they're being enforced by the state. I I know of one instance of successful socialism in the world ever and i know of one instance of a of a of a monopoly that didn't commit suicide mm-hmm. in the world socialism the success story was libya but that guy was a nutcase 100 percent, and uh the, and uh was on borrowed time as it was and the successful story of monopoly which still exists as far as i know is a company that makes glasses frames in italy and if you see glasses frames, it's, there's a good chance that they were made at that factory in Italy. The fact is, they just turn out a great product. Always have. They keep the prices where people can afford them. They don't. They don't mess around with, uh, you know, uh, any uh, exorbitant pricing or anything like that. So people can actually get them. They'll stay. They'll. They're just an extremely popular company that 
naturally edges out all competition. Now, correct me if I'm wrong about this, Matt, uh, on regards to the Standard Oil or anybody that knows. I had heard that at their peak, they were only at 90% of the market. They were still competitors to yeah. Standard Oil. Yeah. So, therefore, they were not a monopoly. They were just really good at what mm-hmm. they did, and that was offering an affordable product to sure. people to where it was hard for anybody else to get in and take away some of their market share by mm-hmm. uh, by com- competition. But generally, if you are that good and you can just keep people out of competing with you by offering that good of a product, that good of a price, or whatever it was that made people go with them, then good for you. Yeah. The yeah, market and, should and reward you. I don't understand why anybody thinks that the government should stop that from happening so that other people can get in on the same business. They can start a different business. Other people can start businesses that are just like not even in that sector if there's no good like in in the market for oil do something else well and that's the thing once a company starts getting greedy and they start charging too much then that's a market signal to somebody else to say okay yeah. you My can turn. enter this marketplace you can make some money here you can be the better service provider mm-hmm. and you can crib those customers away except from- when it's a government enforced monopoly right. like my mom right now my mom called me again second time this month this woman's recovering from a cancer operation she needs to be able to have electricity in her house but nice egg new york state electric and gas everybody who lives in new york listening to this show right now just gasped with like a Taste in their back of their mm-hmm. mouth. Um, you know, we have them in this state too, but they're, they're or it, I should say. But uh, apparently, New York State Electric and Gas is now owned by Spain, some Spaniards. Huh. And uh, I guess that's the truth with a few of these state monopoly uh, electrical, you know, wow. service providers. And um, and for the second time this month, her power has gone down. This time it was five hundred people. Last time it was sixty thousand people. And uh, it's like the infrastructure is so bad. They've they've just sat around collecting profits for as long as they've been a monopoly. The government said, "Okay, you're the only company company allowed to sell electric and natural gas in New York State. So have at it. Have at it. Have fun. Texas also has a a monopoly on their energy things or uh, businesses. And it is also highly regulated. And remember Mm -hmm. when it snowed down there and everybody's. uh, That's right. Froze to death. That was really bad. It was really, really bad. Um, before Mark goes, because he said he has to go, I would like to recommend. Well, I, he had one one more yeah. point he wanted to make, I think. But go ahead, Bonnie. Oh, I was going to well, say. I just, to, I just want. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you're really interested in this and not just our three, like just opinions, I would look up the video on YouTube um, called Tom Woods on big business monopolies and price gouging, I think it is. Uh, that's what taught me all about that monopolies really aren't that bad. And oh my God, such a good video. It's only like less than 15 minutes. Well, monopolies are bad when they're enforced by the state. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> so I guess I want to make two quick points. One is that sometimes monopolies make sense if you don't have an existing infrastructure that actually makes sense. So early on with trains and of course with, with uh, oil and the communications, you know, having a lot of different companies competing, buying land, laying down track, laying down infrastructure is chaotic, and it's just not tenable. You know, in the beginning, if it's not tenable, they won't do it. Way. No, but they will. I mean, you're talking about you know competition for you know profits, but they're not considering the uh, you know how it's actually going to work in the long run for the better betterment of the country. In other words. You know, infrastructure that's all broken apart where training lines who? don't Yeah, there's no such thing lines. as the betterment of the country. 
Something well, is better for some that. people, something's you, worse for others. It's impossible for anything to be better for anyone else other than, like, air existing. And nobody's going to be able to control well, that. There, there, look, there's something called city planning for a reason. Like, there are yeah, reasons why... And it's dumb, why. and it ruins people's <laughs> lives. City planning exists just to give bureaucrats a job, dude. Look, you know, you're talking about, like I said, if you're talking about trains that have, you know, tracks that have never been laid down, you're talking about infrastructure... You know the train tracks in exist. New York City were private originally, right? That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that was not a good thing. Because you literally had tracks great. ending. No, because they didn't want people transferring to their competitors' train lines, so they would deliberately make the trains inaccessible to each other. So well, whoever made the sense. trains the crappiest and like not connected to their uh, other competitors would eventually die in the marketplace because people wouldn't want to use those trains. And it's then their like assets to be sold to the, the highest bidder. Uh, so your solution well, is to go in, because you didn't yeah. like the way the, the trains were set up, your solution is to get, get the government gang to go in and put a gun to somebody's head and make it work the way you think it should, <laughs> right? That's the result. No, I'm just saying that there are some benefits. No, that is what you're saying. That's exactly what you're okay. saying. Thank you for the call tonight, Mark, because that's what, that's what backs every government program. That's what backs every government regulation. A gun and a threat. There's some goon squad that's willing to come in and throw you in a cage. And if you don't want to go go with them to the cage, then they're going to get really violent. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Matt. And Bonnie. Uh, the phones are open as always. You can also join us online anytime you want over at freetalklive.com. You can download episodes of the show, and they are there at your leisure, freetalklive.com, going back for many years and totally free. So we're going to go back to the phones here, and then coming up, we'll get into the ATF, gun regulations, uh, whatever the latest is. Matt's been uh, chomping at the bit to tell us about it, so we'll get into that. But first, we got Chris on the line here uh, calling from Newport Beach. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. On our hey, how are you? Hey, good. Uh, just for listeners that don't know, this is uh, Chris from, Sustan- is it pronounced Sustani Capital or Sustani Capital? Trust me, it's a play on sustainability. Yeah. Uh, so he's uh, the he's a gentleman who invited me to the CBBC panel that I mentioned oh. uh, this afternoon, and uh, so uh, thank you again for having me out there. And once the video is available, I will certainly share that out so you guys who didn't get to watch it live uh, will be able to see it. So, Chris, what were you calling about? Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that other people too get the benefit of what we talked about this morning because. From where we are standing as technology investors, the problem that is government-issued currency is kind of solved on a technical level because um, the default minimum of exchange has been bytes for a number of decades, and the unit of account, at least from a technology perspective, is simply an interface function. And so what you store your value in is typically a basket of things, right? So I wouldn't recommend that anybody keeps all their value in Bitcoin or all their value in real estate, and obviously not all your value in a fiat currency. So point of being is this is one of those technical realities that's not evenly distributed yet and Roger Ver that we talked about this morning coined this term money over IP I think very early on and I've been in voice of IP for a very long time 
And so the point there being is we don't put stamps on emails and neither do I pay for this phone call right now that I'm using um, Linfon for, right? So mm -hmm. we got we did away with like the national telecom that got to meet you by the minute using um, the, the old phone system. But in a way, we are still maintaining the situation when it comes to money. So money for the most part is just bytes and moving bytes around should be free, right? You don't put stamps on the email either. I tend to agree. Um, although we've seen in the world of cryptocurrency, there is a small fee involved in sending those bytes from one point to another, and that's because of the miners usually that are involved in making sure that that process is secure and quick and reliable, and I think most people are willing to pay a, a small fee in order to do that. Of course, we've seen the, the real problem in cryptocurrency, at least thus far, is once uh, crypto becomes too popular, it has uh, scaling issues. And we've seen that with Bitcoin, BTC, and we, we see it right now with Ethereum as well, where no one in their right mind would use Ethereum for transferring value for a cup of coffee. And, and to a lesser extent, uh, Bitcoin BTC is pretty much out for that too. Yeah. So that's largely actually a state of the technology just being very early, right? Mm -hmm. So in the early days of the internet, we had something called dial-up services. Oh, yeah. So my first bill for my dial-up service was something like $500. Oh, God, yeah, I remember yeah. that, uh, where you got billed by the minute when you connected yeah. to uh, AOL and Prodigy and CompuServe back in the early Forgot about Prodigy 90s. and CompuServe. Yeah. Yeah, and that's still uh, true for a few people around the world, actually, mm -hmm. unfortunately. But yeah, it's kind of the, the same thing to where eventually my expectation would be that we subsidize these costs for securing the network and that you can move bytes around for free, right? So that we actually have programmable money at that point in time. Right? I think that so, there's some blockchains that have been working on that. I know with the Stellar blockchain, their fees are so low that yeah. the Stellar Foundation just subsidizes them, so effectively there are no fees for the uh, the end user when they're using the Stellar Well, how exchange. long can they do that? Forever? I presume so. I'm not sure. It's a good question, Bonnie. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, honestly, the, the cost involved with, them, uh, with that is, is pretty negligible hmm. at the end yeah. of the day. It, it's more about the decentralization and making it censorship resistant. And there, the, the typical confusion is that the people confuse distribution and decentralization. Decentralization has more to do with the incentives, right? So if you were the only one that were running a network, it would be in not in, at all in your, um, in your interest, obviously, to base the mining reward on that network because no one would trust it anymore mm -hmm. and people would move on if you ever manipulated it, right? Where can uh, is what's a good website for people to visit? Is there an easy one to go to to find the uh, CBDC forums that you've been doing? I know they are online. You gave me a link before, but it, it didn't... yeah, well, I, I emailed you the link to the one that we did this morning. Right. Um, we also do a lot of education because basically 100% of what we kind of hear and learn about the space is some form of motivated reasoning. Unfortunately, it's it's very very sad. So. Um, yeah, you can share the link that I sent you or I'll send you a few of the introductory versions because ultimately what's important to understand is what uh, the Bitcoin white paper introduced, right? Even though we call it cryptocurrency, but it introduced a much more important primitive, which is that you can now own your bytes, right? So you can transfer the control over a set of bytes from A to B. 
You can co uh, call them bitcoins, you can call them US dollars, you can call them your driver's license, you can call them hopefully eventually the deed to your home mm -hmm. and the title to your car. Um, but that's the primitive that we introduced. So the, the talks about cryptocurrencies and so forth is for the most part kind of a little bit of a distraction if you think about this. So this primitive is actually way, way, way more important than just quote-unquote currency. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying there. You're saying, you're pointing out that Bitcoin is just the first application of blockchain technology, and that, of course, involves uh, keys, meaning that you have a, a set of keys. One is public, one is private, and the private key allows you access to that Bitcoin wallet. But as you touched on there, there are other applications for this technology that we're really just beginning to scratch the surface of as far as letting people explore these other areas. We don't yet have deeds to houses on the blockchain yet, but that is something that has long been talked about. Of course, it would require some government to We basically give up have the uh, ability to do that with like the same technology people use for NFTs, right? So basically, we already yes. have that, but mm -hmm. maybe people aren't. No doing one's it. Out, no one has applied the technology to that particular. Yeah, the first beginnings of that were and there specifically where there's no infrastructure. So uh, either the infrastructure was destroyed for those titles, mm -hmm. where the paperwork um, was destroyed, and so we won't have it before those other countries, the kind of uh, developing nations, will. Um, will deploy those. I actually wrote an article about this a little while. Yeah, that's ago. interesting that a developing nation is going to go that way before places like the United yeah. States because the government's so entrenched in those areas. I mean, the county registrar of deeds is not going to let go of their monopoly. I mean, mm -hmm. they are going to fight tooth and nail. The mm -hmm. union's going to get involved, and they're going to do everything they can to stop any kind of technolog uh, technological advance for that industry. Yeah, I mean, the metaphor is always the same if you think about like a goat herder in Sub-Saharan Africa. The first phone that he got was not a rotary phone and no one slung like a copper cable to his HUD. The first phone that he got <laughs> was maybe a smartphone mm -hmm. and he didn't have a phone before. So uh, same paradigm here. So if you never had a land registry and you could never prove that you own this particular land, which is true for a lot of these developing nations, mm -hmm. then the first implementation that you will hopefully get is not a database, right? Because the common problem that we are really talking about is the database problem. Because with a database, you need someone to control that mm -hmm. database. You need someone to operate this database. And the, the thing about a, a decentralized software solution, blockchain is one example of a decentralized software solution, is there is no database. This essentially replaces the, the problem that we created with databases, right? Because when we invented databases in the early 60s, we didn't have a consideration for network technologies at the time. Sure. So we created a huge problem by connecting these two networks, essentially. So the externalities from this legacy technologies last year were $6 trillion. So cybersecurity breaches exceeded $6 trillion in damages wow. last year. That's larger than the GDP of Germany, where, as you can probably tell by my accent, I'm from, <laughs> and it's larger than the GDP of Japan. So larger point there is, like these changes to our infrastructure, these are not optional. These are mandatory. 
Yep, it's just when you know when you can get these bureaucrats to uh, acknowledge that and you allow... probably can never get them to do that, but you can start making them irrelevant. Well, yeah, if we can abolish their bureaucracy entirely, then that would be a way forward. Chris, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. We'll get that link out when it's uh, when I get a chance to our listeners and they can check out the the full discussion from this afternoon, which uh, was much much bigger than than my part. There was multiple panels. I was on just one of them, uh, but that's Chris from Sustaining Capital. Thank you for the call tonight. The number is 603-283-6160, and you can join us coming up the latest in the world of gun regulations and freedom. Coming up. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. The phones are open. If you want to join us, 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever you want. That's 603-283-6160. And in the studio tonight, it's Ian, Matt, and Bonnie. All right, so coming up, Bonnie, you're going to tell us about EU cars maybe uh, maybe being regulated into not being able to go a certain speed. Uh, we'll talk about that on the way here. But first, Matt, you've been uh, looking forward to telling us because you I don't think you were on last night, were you? Or last week? I was not on yeah. last week. So we didn't we didn't get our Matt gun related update as you we didn't get your fill well when you're here so what where do you want to start because i know you said there were a few different stories out there There are right a few now. different stories. i want to start with a couple other things though that are kind of related uh one uh just just a uh no some of you may remember the uh the the siege and attack on ruby ridge uh back in the what was in the 90s yep uh, where the ATF showed up and shot a bullet through the head of a woman who was standing there holding her baby and shot a 14-year-old boy in the back. Yeah, babies look like guns, so I'm sure the yeah, agent so that, that was shot a, her... It was an assault baby. It was a high-capacity <laughs> assault child. Yeah, and didn't they end up promoting that guy that killed that yes, woman? Yes, the, the, the shooter's name was Lon Harry, uh, Horiuchi. Lon mm-hmm. Horiuchi was also present at the Waco shooting, and when the women and children ran screaming from their burning church, he shot them in the back, just like he shot Sammy, uh, wow. Sammy uh, Weaver in the back. 14-year-old boy shot his dog and then shot him in the back as he ran away. And a sniper, so from a distance, right? Uh, There's no way to tell how close he was. Uh, The idea was Sammy was walking through the woods with his dog, Mm -hmm. happened on some strange men hiding in his woods and ran away. Turns out the ATF were... Uh, surveilling and keeping the mm. their house under siege. Uh, they did. They weren't aware of it yet. Sammy caught onto it, ran towards the house, and got shot in the back. Oh my 
because ATF uh, people are just murderous dirtbags, 100%. Why were they being uh, watched in general? Why were the ATF on to them for something? So apparently, uh, I can't remember exactly how it went, but Randy was asked basically by an FBI dirtbag or an ATF dirtbag, they're all the same, um, to make a short-barreled shotgun. Uh, illegal, basically undercover, just undercover off a shot. Yeah, they were trying to, you know, get him to do stuff that was illegal. Um, I can't remember how it all panned out, but they basically were trying to pin stuff on him, like make things happen that didn't happen, create a case for themselves, and uh, it resulted in a bunch of controversy and ended up with a bunch of feds staking out his house and pointing guns at his house, and uh, they ended up shooting his wife. Vicky dead and his son Sammy dead. Um, the little girl now is all grown up and was a huge fan of her father's and uh, now has children of her own and also all's well that ends well, I guess. But uh, Randy Weaver for a very long time was an extreme proponent of uh, of individual liberty. We'll say we'll leave it at that. Um, and and you know a, a, a promoter of the dangers of big government. To say the and least. he passed away. He died today. Yep. Do we know what from? Uh, I didn't see what he died from. I just knew that he did, and uh, he died of natural causes. He's yeah, 74. And 74. It's yeah. about, so it's about that, time to go for a man. In I'm the not even going to look it up. I'm just happy that he gets to go be with his wife and son now, yeah. and uh, you know, hopefully there's somebody there to receive him on the other end. I'm sure uh, he's going to a good place. We actually met him once, Mark and I. Uh, he came to New Hampshire back when the Ed and Elaine Brown situation really? was going on. Uh, for those that don't know this, the story, Ed and Elaine Brown were an older couple they were sort of noteworthy for not paying federal income tax. The feds decided they were going to do something about that, so they demanded whatever compliance, and Ed didn't want to uh, comply. So then they escalated the conflict, they escalated the threats, and they, like with the Ruby Ridge situation, surrounded his house with uh, with multiple agents. Ed s- said he was going to stay in his home. He said, you know, he might have some booby traps on the the property, and y'all shouldn't come here, basically. And uh, so they didn't come there right away. They actually stayed out and just lurked around his property for, I think, about six months. And during that six-month period, Ed was allowing people, Annalene, were allowing people into their home. Which, of course, inevitably meant they were allowing federal agents into their home right. without really realizing it. But uh, that, anyway, some of the people they allowed into their home included some of the, the free staters, the liberty activists that were up here, just kind of making a pilgrimage. You know, people would go out. Uh, Dave Ridley went out there and uh, Free Talk Live went out there at, at one point and just kind of to meet these these people that were bravely standing up to the federal gang. Mm-hmm. And then on one at one point, they actually threw a huge party. This was a large piece of property up in a little town called Plainfield, New Hampshire, if I recall correctly. A uh, very, very large piece of property, and they had, I don't know, hundreds of people, a couple hundred at least, That's people great. on this, this property, and they brought in Randy Weaver as uh, like a special guest That's speaker. That's awesome. And, uh, and the, the Genesis Communications Network, which was our radio network at the time, they were there. I mean, we were there. We are part of their, their network, and so we went up there. Um, and then Alex Jones did not go. He was not at this uh, this particular event. But the head of the network, Ted Anderson, was there grilling. He had like you know his grill master <laughs> outfit on and cooking steaks or hot dogs or whatever. And I, I think at one point they had a band play. We left. We kind of went and hung around for an hour and we left. And I guess after we left was when the feds flew a black helicopter over the property 
and not just flew it over, but hovered apparently for some amount of time directly over where the party was happening. Uh, just to, I guess to intimidate people, just to you know sh- show them that uh, that they were there. But or maybe man, run facial recognition uh, software over everybody that attended the party. Good chance of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, this would have been back in like 2006 or 2007. So if there was facial recognition software, it'd be pretty rudimentary uh, at that time. But yeah, they were definitely trying to intimidate people. But that's where I met Randy Weaver. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So he seemed like a really cool guy. Yeah. He he uh, he is a, he actually was a cool guy because he. Basically gave them the Ron Paul treatment at every turn and just said no, 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 no. And at the end of the day, Randy Weaver ended up walking away with a slap on the wrist for failure to appear to court. Wow. Just with a dead wife and kid. Yeah, dead wife and kid. Yeah. You know, and dog. So a little more than a slap on the wrist. But you mean legally as far as Legally, yeah, he got a he got a slap on the wrist. Insane. Completely. But they never paid him for killing his wife, they right? There's never any kind of no. compensation or trial about no. that. He probably wouldn't have wanted to pay the taxes on it anyway. <laughs> Good for him. All right. Well, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Another one I want to bring up. I got an email just before the show started. Uh, not a direct personal email, but... Uh, Good friend to Liberty, Jordan Vinroe. Um, he has a company called JSD Supply. JSDsupply.com. I'm going to plug them. Uh, never have before, but I feel I should, even though if you go to JSDsupply.com right now, uh, you can't see anything. The site is shut down basically with a message to the customers on the front. Mm. JSD Supply. Let's see. ATF came to our offices and warehouse to serve a cease and desist letter regarding the selling of certain gun parts. Mm. So JSD Supply is an 80% firearms seller. And Meaning they sell a piece of metal. Yeah, or plastic. Yeah. Yeah, pieces of metal and plastic that are absolutely 100% totally okay, good to go. You can have those. Uh, the ATF is butzing around with... Uh, what their definition of firearm is these mm-hmm. days? They're you know change if they don't like something, they just change the definition of it, and suddenly they call a it a machine gun if it's mm-hmm. a piece of yeah. metal. Apparently, that's a, a bent up coat hanger. That's mm-hmm. a machine machine gun. So, uh, but JSD Supply has uh, a night like their job is to sell eighty percent parts, and you can buy the parts you need to make your own gun. Um, they also have a ton of files on their site for 3D printing stuff. If oh, you just cool. want to 3D print stuff, he's an activist. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a business, but it's also activism. You don't have to buy something there. You can just go to the files, download, wow. and download a 3D you know, file for 3D printing guns if you That's want awesome. to. It is. Um, but the ATF is harassing him. So to Jordan Vinroe and the people at JSD Supply, 80% Firearms, I just want you all to know that we're all we're paying attention. Uh, you're, you have, we, we, have, we have your back. Um, that so said, they they make these eighty percent lowers, mm-hmm. and these things have been sold for many years. But sure. recently, the ATF has taken a new interest in harassing mm-hmm. these businesses. Yeah, owners. so JSD Supply doesn't make them; they mm-hmm. they're they're a seller. They're reseller, yeah, reseller. Okay. And so Goons showed up. They, mm-hmm. He's saying here they didn't quote get raided, but right, but they got a cease and desist letter. The ATF showed up at his offices. Two, two agents showed up today and told them to shut it down. And so rather than continue and risk whatever they would, you know, would risk by continuing, they did go ahead and yeah, close up yeah. while the lawyers told them the attorneys. to just follow it for now. And that's a, that's a problem here. There's not going to be any punishment for the ATF if they end up losing this. Correct. But in the meantime, this guy's business is closed. Yeah! 
is Free Talk Live. The phones are open and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Bring up whatever you want to discuss. We're getting updates here from Matt about the latest in the world of gun rights and gun restrictions. With the ATF cracking down on one company, uh, what was their name again? JSD Supply. JSD Supply targeted and threatened, told that if they keep selling the 80% lowers that they're selling, then uh, they might be facing some sort of charges. So they shut down operations temporarily while they figure out what they need to do to file a lawsuit or whatever it is their next steps are. We'll get the latest on more about that. Uh, of course, uh, you can join us here as Sarah is going to do. Calling from New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live, Sarah. Oh, yeah. So um, they actually, we're going to build a brand new homeless shelter. You are? You do no, it all I by mean, yourself? Albuquerque is. Who's helping you? Albuquerque is. Well, the city is. Okay, so you're not going to be there laying brick or plumbing work or anything like that. No, she can't no, work but they. No, but, I mean, I have an input. I've been calling in of, uh, well, anyway, they've been asking the homeless people of what they want in this place. So I've been trying to participate and give ideas also. All right, what's one of your ideas? What do you think that the new taxpayer-funded homeless shelter should have? Well, um, my first thing is those prison bunk beds that I've been complaining about with no side guards, and they mm-hmm. and they have no ladders. How about that? Mm. Oh my That's God. part of the punishment. So it, right so now, silly. It, didn't you tell us before that the current homeless shelter is a former jail that yeah. was repurposed? How are people getting right, up right. in these without the ladders? I don't think I could. It's hard to do it. Wait, they don't have the ladders oh, in no, jail. No. Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like um. Are you kind of petite? Are you? Yeah, that, like, I'm really that, short. I'm, I'm like five two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could you imagine climbing up like a four foot bed up and down? No. Um, <laughs> Sounds oh my impossible. God. And then, no, and then being so small. Um, and it's it's a way of punishing people for being in jail. You don't want to come back again. But they threw the homeless people on these bunk beds, and I've met about five people that fell off the beds. Uh, and then they hit their backs and their heads, and and they're too, they're too drunk to sue the city. They need to sue. They they're just not well enough. Uh, they're not well they're enough drunk? to organize. I think she's well, suggesting that a lot of homeless people have alcohol and uh, and drug problems, and that is definitely true. I'm pretty you sure know, you couldn't sue the city if you fell off a bunk bed while drunk. Yeah, I wouldn't well, think you'd, especially when they're providing you with the shelter and you can either take it or leave it. Uh, so that's the difference here, Sarah, is these people aren't obligated to go to the homeless shelter. They could just go live out, you know, in the wilderness or under a bridge or something like that. And, uh, right. and you know, not roll in, not roll to their doom from the top bunk. Right. Yeah, that they but but that's the whole attitude of the homeless shelter. If you don't like it, just freeze to death. Just starve to death. We just suck it up and take it the way it is. Um so they're actually and then the whole thing about it is that people are camping out. And then everybody's complaining about well they're setting up shelters over here and I can't sure. they're bothering my business and they're right. complaining yeah, homeless, about that. Uh, homeless people are in a lot of cases, at least the ones the ones that stay out of view, I can't speak to them, but the ones that do 
I don't know, panhandle outside of a business are pests. I mean, people don't want to have to deal with that. Business owners don't want to have to deal with uh, with having to throw somebody off their property. And but sometimes business owners do allow them to stay on their property, and then the government moves in and forces them to stop allowing that. That's, oh, that's a good point. They're not uh, up to code, and I'm pretty sure Sarah is all about codes. Yeah, Sarah, how would you feel about that if you heard that homeless people were being told they could not have their own camp? The, the homeless people want to have a camp. They built a camp. They've uh, built a t- uh, lean-to, basically a temporary uh, structure, semi-permanent structure in which they're living. And then the city gang comes by, the city government gang comes by and says, oh, yeah, you're going to have to take, we're going to tear this down. You guys got to go. You can't, you can't stay here. Even though the property owner said they could. What would you think about that? Well, I mean, I do not really, I really do not know what any business owners that authorize them for too long. I, I don't, I do not know. There was know one that did it here in Keene, New Hampshire for years. Mm, well, I mean, that's a, that's a very rare case, but I, I'm very surprised that they want to take on this problem, but get back. But you didn't answer my question. To, now, what, what, what was the question? That what would you would support do? the government stopping these people from having their shelter in the woods if they weren't up to code? Well, I mean, okay, if if uh, okay, if the owner says I'm fine with it, they're fine with me, and then nobody else in the area have any problems, then I would say that it's okay. Okay, oh, the we're on the same page that, there, Sarah. You just answered yeah, yeah, a right. question correctly. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? Going to go buy a lottery well, ticket today. <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of. I mean, if, if everybody, all the neighbors are fine with it, then if they're not panhandling, if they're coming over, yeah. then um, yeah, as long as they're keeping them, to themselves, I, I agree with you there. And Sarah, I gotta say, as far as your request is concerned, it seems reasonable. If there's going to be a homeless shelter, you should probably make it so they don't roll off the top bunks. I mean, that doesn't cost a whole lot of money to put a little guard in there, and you know, keep the keep the drunkards from hurting themselves even worse. And thank you for the call tonight uh the number is 603-283-6160 that said i don't think that this is a government problem to be solved i think that government probably incentivizes homelessness in the first place by taxing people to death and regulating businesses to death putting people out of business encouraging people to get fired by things like minimum wage increases and all the regulations that increase the cost of doing business putting people out on the streets and then of course inflating the money supply to make it more and more difficult to actually buy the things that people need to to live life it's getting more expensive to pay for rent rent's gone up in a lot of cases 30 or 40 percent just from last year and then you've got, uh, in addition to that, the insane prices at the grocery store. So, I mean, there's there's going to be people driven out into the streets mm-hmm. because of these circumstances. But we can't I mean, have monopolies, Ian. No, That's why we not. need the government monopoly on yeah, violence. You're going back around <laughs> to uh, the previous caller earlier in the show uh, who called about monopolies. And I think not- he thought that was like his trump card to us for being pro-free market. He was like, oh, yeah, well, I've heard you guys are uh, pro-free market. What do you guys think about monopolies? Ooh, mm-hmm. they have nothing to gotcha. say to that. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but he loves the government, which is, you know, maybe he doesn't love, maybe, you know, mischaracterizing the guy. Mm-hmm. He's not on the phone to defend himself. But, you know, the government is the number one giant monopoly, the, you know, the elephant in the we room. We didn't point that one out, but yeah, that's a good have. point. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 he's asking for a monopoly to end monopolies. The and state is the, the worst. The monopoly exists. In yeah, the they're place. the worst monopoly. They're the ones you can't say no to. And you can't get a good product out of them. Nope. nope Your entire life care. will be like standing in line at the DMV. Yeah. They just don't care. 
All right, so the number is 603-283-6160. As far as homeless people are concerned, let's let the market take care of it. Let's let people who actually care uh, provide shelter. There's a a private homeless shelter right here in Keene, New Mm -hmm. Hampshire, and they do a great job. They help people out. Uh, they give people a place to stay, but they're limited on what they give. They, they're they more concerned with helping someone up rather than just giving them a endless free cot. Right. You know, uh, the number 603-283-6160. You can join us here more about the situation with guns in America. And if you want to weigh in and bring up whatever's on your mind, you can join us here at 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Insight Daily Radio, conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators. Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture since the 1970s with more than 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program. And he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book and the creative journey that continues to bring Lake Wobegon to life. I had a big urge to get away. My eighth grade English teacher, Frayne Anderson, handed me a copy of the New Yorker magazine with a story by John Cheever and a piece by A.J. Liebling. I worshipped this magazine. I read it over and over and over again. And I read the car, I saw the, enjoyed the cartoons, of course, but I loved the writing. And that became my ambition through my teens and into my 20s. And radio was simply a way to earn a living. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, has just been released and is now available wherever books are sold. This is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. It's Ian, Matt, and Bonnie in the studio here tonight. Coming up, will cars in the European Union be slowed down by the state? We're not talking about speed limits here. We've got something else in mind, apparently. Bonnie will tell us about that coming up. Uh, Phones are open as always, 603-283-6160. And don't forget, you can join us online anytime you want over at freetalklive.com. You can uh, follow our uh, various different hosts and other listeners of the show on our social media platform at social.freetalklive.com. It's Mastodon-based, which means that it's open source, it's self-hosted, it's federated, and so... That means it's connected with the other Mastodon systems out there, most of them at least from what I can tell. And so you can interact with people across the entire internet through the Federation there. Go to social.freetalklive.com and you can do that. So Matt, uh, you had more from the world of gun rights and gun restrictions. What is, uh, is there any good news out there? Yeah, well, we don't know yet. We're going to find out. Okay. But there's a lot, there's just so much going on. It is super hot right now um and one thing i didn't even think about talking about tonight uh just a little bit i guess was the roe v wade thing uh i've seen a lot of people on facebook wondering why 
uh, so many gun people are talking about Roe v. Wade and what does abortion have to do with guns? Well, the reality is Roe v. Wade really never had anything to do with abortion mm-hmm. and it had everything to do with removing states' rights and centralizing power. And privacy, right? I mean, uh, they said that they were protecting privacy rights, right? Sure. That's what it's. It was ultimately. I don't know what you're like, talking about. I'll listen to it. I want to hear it. Um, I I think that the basis they tried to use for Roe v. Wade was that ultimately it came down to privacy rights because something I can't remember off the top of my head. I heard somebody talking about it. Mm. Some kind of medical privacy thing. Yeah, but I don't think the the Constitution actually doesn't say anything about privacy rights, but mm-hmm. the New Hampshire Constitution does. But uh, that's just a tangent. Mm-hmm. But the they said that I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. Sorry, okay. I thought no maybe worries. you guys would know something about it. No, nah, I don't. Unfamiliar. But if you figure that out, I want to hear about it. Okay. Um. But uh. No. So um. Roe v. Wade. There's a lot of people confused about what guns have to do with abortion, and abortion really has nothing to do. With Roe v. Wade was at the time you had you know already in place in the gun world was the 1934 Gun Control Act, and then there was or National Firearms Act. Mm-hmm. And then in 1968, there was the Gun Control Act, both of which severely sh- restricted gun rights as America had always, always known them. Um, and at that point, those were both really states' rights issues. To hammer the coffin totally shut, they were going to need another type of case that would help the, on states' rights. They were going to need another case to come along that probably wasn't related to guns. So they came up with, uh, you know, the Roe v. Wade thing came along right at the right time and said, they said, hmm, gosh, this could be really, this would be something, this is a hot button issue that everybody's worked up about, you know, uh, you know, the, the Roe v. Wade thing. Uh, and um, so they essentially were able to use Roe v. Wade to strip away more states' rights. Hmm. And it made it look as if there's precedent before with the 68 Gun Control, uh, Gun Control Act and the 34 National Firearms Act that uh, state rights weren't as necessary as we always thought they once were. Well, we should throw in the standard uh, libertarian disclaimer, and that is that uh, states do not have rights. Correct. Um, only individuals have rights. But in the context of the discussion, the idea of the concept of states being able to have the ability to make more indiv- more decisions for their population, their political situation, to have different uh, differences, significant differences between the states. Federalism, I guess, might be the, yeah. the term for that, was sort of the original concept uh, behind the United States. It was essentially supposed to be a bunch of nations essentially mm-hmm. joined together with some common, uh, you know, uh, I guess, what was it? Between the uh, the states, there would be some agreements, essentially interlocking Basically. agreements, mm-hmm. and they would have the federal government be able to uh, ju- you know, take on cases of disagreements between those states, right? right? To judge those things, break a tie here yeah. or there. Um, Didn't end up that way. No, no, not at all. No, and they the- shoot people holding their babies now. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and children in the back. So, uh, but no, they they so they were able to use this to strip away states' rights uh, a little bit more. And now that Roe v. Wade is on the way out. A lot of gun people are started saying, hmm, is there any other laws out there that really should have been always states' rights? And Well, sure. Every national gun law. Every national gun law. But I heard this speculation right after the Roe versus Wade leak happened. The 
a lot of the gun rights people were saying, oh, yeah, they're going to take down the federal gun laws next. And I thought, yeah, that seems really optimistic. It does. It seems real. Let's not get ahead because, of ourselves. Because the the Roe versus Wade, the abortion issue, it's basically a political football. It doesn't really matter. The Second to Amendment's the, a political football, too. Yeah, but the feds want to control guns. Sure. Right? They, they really don't want people to have right. guns. At all levels, whether we're talking about the uh, the the Republicans or the Democrats, Republicans talk a good game about guns, but when it comes down to it, they don't do jack diddly right. uh, to, I mean, look, Trump, right? Didn't he restrict bump stocks? Yes, he did. Right. Uh, so, Ronald, Ronald Reagan signed the 1986 Firearms, Firearms Owners Protection Act. Yeah, and during the times- outlawed machine guns for regular people. Right, and don't forget that during the times when the Republicans were running the show from top to bottom, where they had the presidency and they had the legislature, they didn't do anything to but we're not talking about legislation here we're talking about supreme court action yeah it just seems awfully uh it's a little iffy for sure religious to me the idea that oh this great supreme court's gonna come and rescue gun rights for the whole of the united states this panel of people wearing black moos that has historically done what is in the best interest of the state not Mm -hmm. the individual and not individual rights Typically, have. so color me a skeptic on this one. Yeah, I'm going to remain skeptical too. But just to explain to people who are Roe v. Wade, you know, they're freaking out because mm-hmm. how come the gun people are in our abortion discussion? Well, that's that's why they're they're hoping against hope that sure more rights will be returned to the states, namely the Second Amendment, which is probably the one that has been beat on the most over the years repeatedly. Did you hear about the House bill that came out or, or got passed by the Senate, and now today the House the New in New Hampshire? No way. Uh, today, I can't remember which one it is. Do you remember what I the number was? I don't know the number. Well, um, it says that the uh, local goons, the local cops and sheriffs and all that, they are now not allowed to enforce federal gun laws in New Hampshire. Yeah. If um, it gets signed by the governor. Oh, yeah. It's going to the governor. If it gets governor. signed by the governor, it's going to the governor. House Bill 1180, uh, 1178. Hmm. Ha, I didn't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, House Bill 1178. Uh, Unfortunately, that is a bill with zero teeth. Really? Yes. It says that uh, New Hampshire cops are not allowed to help the federal government in the pursuit of prosecuting anti-gun laws, uh, anti-gun crimes or gun crimes Mm -hmm. or whatever, um, unless they want to. Oh, wow. man. Yeah. Yeah, somebody uh, said to me on Twitter, I heard this got watered down, and I didn't there really look into it or anything. Yeah, so. it, got, it got completely neutered. It's I don't even want to talk about it. It's uh, such it's a embarrassing. Sad That's sad. Completely. However, um, in other news in, in the gun world, uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association uh, has filed a lawsuit on NYSRPA versus Bruin. Um, this is coming up. The, the Supreme Court has looked this over and should be issuing their opinion on it. The idea that it's is that it's going to go very well for the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association will make me very happy as a former New York State resident who had a lot of guns. Um, and what the, the problem in New York is that they're suing over is that um, New York is a may issue state. They may give you a pistol permit. In New York. <laughs> they may. It's not, it's not a shall mm-hmm. issue state. Um, and even if they do, you know, I have a, I know a kid I went to high school with. He's a, he's an Eagle Scout. He's a rocket scientist. Couldn't get it. His his pistol permit came back with the restriction that the gun had to be disassembled and kept in a safe in his house <laughs> at all times. Wow. So uh, this this case is probably going to do away with may issue, and we'll, New York will have to be a shall issue state. 
Wow. That's well, a big we'll see. step. We'll yeah. see. Uh, there's more coming up here. If you want to join the show, the number 603-283-6160. You can take control of the airwaves here on Free Talk Live. Talk Live. You're invited. If you want to join the show, you can do that. The number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Whether you want to weigh in on Roe versus Wade, gun rights versus restrictions. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, inflation earlier in the show tonight. And still to come, cars could be governed heavily in the eu according to a story bonnie's going to tell us about uh, but first we're going to your phone calls and thoughts steven is in georgia you're on free talk live in north georgia go ahead hey um so i think i've talked about this in the past but i think it's worth re-mentioning a lot of these agreements for financial aid law enforcement agencies signed with the federal government have a caveat of, hey, we buy you this piece of equipment, um, and when we want to use it, it kind of it's kind of ours, um, and they buy a lot of the federal government buys a lot of equipment for local agencies, mm-hmm. and on top of that, the federal government pays a lot of subsidies so that local agencies can have officers and deputies. So when you look at these, hey, we're not going to enforce your uh, evil gun laws or however they want to say it, their unconstitutional gun laws, the way that I read a lot of these contracts and the way a lot of these contracts have been portrayed to me, in a way, the federal government has a lot of local law enforcement salary guys. So it kind of the way that I read it, the individual officers – that salaries being subsidized, do they have the ability to say no without their salary getting cut? Yeah, you're right. Like the 1033 uh, program helped a lot of local um, law enforcement places get Bearcats. I don't know if Keynes was from that. Do you know, Ian? Uh, yeah, the federal government gave them a grant for that. And was it 1033? Because that- I don't know. I, I think 1033 is leftover military equipment and Bearcats were brand new. But... I'm pretty sure in the 1033 program there was that caveat like oh you have to be uh you, we have to be allowed to use it whenever we want. That was true with the Bearcat as well. Hmm. They're dealing with the devil. Yeah. Yep. But so with with the enforcement of gun laws can they essentially say hey we subsidize your paycheck do you do you want to continue to get paid? I mean why wouldn't they? I <laughs> If they if they can hold something over your head, then they certainly will. I, I doubt that there's any police departments putting up a fight against the federal government to where they've ever had to issue such a, a threat to a local police department. Because you have to remember, when the feds come in and they snatch somebody's stuff, whether it be going to a gun supply uh, shop and taking all their inventory or going to the local head shop and stealing all their pipes or whatever it is they're doing, whenever they take people's stuff... 85%, I believe, 80 or 85% is given to of the uh, of any kind of 
uh, forced extraction like that. Any, I forget the word for it right now. Uh, asset forfeiture. Thank you. Uh, asset forfeiture. They uh, that's going to the local police department. So the local police are they get all the pipes continuously bribed. Well, they'll get the they'll get the Proceeds, money from yeah. se- selling it. They're continuously bribed to continue working with the federal government. So they would have no reason to put up any kind of a fuss. So they're not one hundred percent parasitic. They are. 200% parasitic. Yeah, that was one thing I was thinking about. Uh, you said that that bill got watered down in New Hampshire where it was intended originally to make it to where local law enforcement couldn't work with feds on any gun law restrictions, federal gun law restrictions, but mm-hmm. then it got watered down by uh, getting amended and now it says that they can if they want to. Well, I was thinking, oh, well, at least that gives the cops who don't want to do that a way out. They can be like, I now have the right not to do that. But then again, I was thinking about it and probably all of them want to. Sure. They like uh, hanging out with the feds and getting to go do no-knock raids. That's fun stuff for them. It's more exciting. Steven? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you bring up a lot of good points, but has... My question with a lot of this stuff in in relation to abortion is how much of what we see with gun stuff and police um, funding, I guess, for lack of a better term, police subsidies, that sort of thing, how much, how much, how much leverage does the federal government have over a state or a county or a city and be like, hey, um, we suggest you allow them to get abortions. Or you just don't get money. Uh, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't really think that's a huge hot button issue for the federal government. The mm-hmm. federal government just wants to do away with as many states' rights as possible. Um, just you know, because that that means it ends up in their court and they get to have say. Um, as far as abortion goes, I mean, I, I can't really see the leverage there. I'm having a hard time seeing an economic leverage standpoint there. Yeah, I think they're going to go with the just pass a law method, which, as I understand it, the Democrats are trying to pass some sort of national abortion rights uh, right, right. thing. I which is know. totally for show. They don't really care. Like, These people don't care whether or not you can have an abortion or not. They don't care. No, but the midterms are coming up. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Planned Parenthood well, does abortions, right? And they get they grants from the federal government. That's true. So maybe they might have some reason that they, I don't know. I, it's an interesting uh, thought, but I really don't have. It really any depends on who's on the payroll and when are the elections. Well, the concern here with a lot of this is how much, how much criminal enterprise are you creating when you make these bogus laws? Right? Like I've been in New York City. And I've seen people buy and sell guns. Like, I walked into a room, and this dude was like, there's the drugs, there's the guns. And you're just like, I only want weed. Like, weed, <laughs> like just give me weed. I don't want your coke. I kind of want a Glock, but I'm going to go back to Georgia here in a few days. And <laughs> yeah, you're a lot safer yeah. in Georgia. Don't even mess with that. Don't be doing that in New York City. Steven, uh, thanks for the call tonight. I definitely appreciate it. I mean, that's just the nature of the black market. A lot of those products get sold side by side. Yep. So whatever's prohibited, the yeah. dealer's going to carry it. I'm reading a book by uh, Konkin. It's called like The Counter, Counter Economy. And he just, for like two chapters, he talks about all these uh, different ways that the counter economy is working in different countries. And mm-hmm. it's even like in Cambodia during communism, during uh, Pol Pot, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
there was a counter economy selling all kinds of different goods. I yeah, mean, of course. you can't There's stop one in this North stuff. Korea. Yep. Uh, by the way, since we since we talked about the Roe versus Wade babies and that sort of thing, pregnancies, I had something here from the Pfizer documents. You know, they've been releasing these documents that were supposed to be kept secret until something mm-hmm. like 2075. I haven't seen anything about that on MSNBC yet. Yeah, or I don't CNN. think you're going to uh, because then they would have to tell you things like this. According to uh, expose-news.com, the confidential, formerly confidential Pfizer documents that the FDA is forced to have been published uh, by a court order revealed that somewhere between 82 and 97% of women who were mistakenly exposed to the mRNA COVID-19 injection either suffered a miscarriage or suffered having to witness the death of their newborn child upon giving birth. What percent was that? Sorry. Between 82 and 97%. So here's how the numbers break down. The uh, Let's see here. According to the story, they... 146 of these cases that they had with mothers that, uh, sorry, 270 cases of exposure to the mRNA injection during pregnancy. This was by uh, February 28th of 2021. 146 of those cases did not immediately report the occurrence of any clinical adverse event, but of the 270, 124 mothers did, meaning 46% of those uh, exposed to the injection suffered an adverse reaction. Of those 124 mothers suffering an adverse reaction, 49 were considered non-serious adverse reactions, while 75 were considered serious. That means that 58% of the mothers who reported adverse reactions suffered a serious event, ranging from uterine contraction to fetal death. And then they go in a little bit deeper here, and they say that uh, Pfizer says that of the 270 pregnancies, they have absolutely no idea what happened to 238 of them. No outcome was provided for those cases. So we just don't have data about those. But of the remaining... Wait, weren't these people part of their study? Why do they not have... That's my question. Yep, they don't have it. It's not like it was like a voluntary survey that, that they could just be like, oh, they never answered... Don't know. Uh, that information is not present. Or maybe they shut off the it. phone line. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> but of the remaining 40-some pregnancies, uh, most of them were spontaneous abortion, a.k.a. miscarriage. And then uh, there's uh, five listed as outcome pr- uh, pending, two premature baby with neonatal death, two spontaneous abortion with uterine death, one spontaneous abortion with neonatal death, and one normal outcome. So of the 34 outcomes altogether... And again, One five baby. of them is still pending. Yeah, 97% of all known outcomes of COVID vaccination during pregnancy resulted in the loss of the child, according to this breakdown. Color me shocked. Yeah, we'll post this for you. You can see it for yourself on our social media. we got hour number three coming up. You can join us, 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour of the program. You're invited. If you want to join us here, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio here, you've got Ian, Matt, and Bonnie. We're going to go overseas uh, to Europe, where Bonnie's got a story about car regulations getting even worse. This is just going to infuriate me. 
I know this is, I don't even know what this is about yet, but I, I have a feeling it's just going to infuriate me. We don't have to live in Europe, at least. Well, it's not that much better here. They're constantly <laughs> regulating vehicles here. They're going to be putting in mandatory uh, DUI checks into every new car starting in 2026. And what's to stop people States. from uh, ripping them out? Oh, they'll probably call the police on you or something like that if you try to uh, disable it. I don't know. I don't, I, we haven't gotten all the details on that. But Can the you police know come to every single call? Call that every single if every single person starts ripping them well, out you know at once. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Most people are going to do exactly what they're expected to do, which is but go along with far, it. That's pretty far, right? That's pretty like lots of people are going to hate that. You would think, uh, yeah, you would think, you but, would think. But then again, most people don't drink and drive. Uh, they're going to be made in uh, in a way that will not be as in a. Uh, it won't be as in your face as the current setup. Like right now, I think a lot of them, there's like a tube that comes out of the dash or something. Are they right? really going to do this to every car? That's what they After said. 2026, 2026 uh, perhaps. I mean, they may push it back, but they've already passed the legislation. It was part of the infrastructure bill, I think, that passed Infrastructure? Last what, year. what does that have to do with Quote infrastructure unquote. of anything? It doesn't. They, but, they bury all kinds of stuff in yeah. all kinds of bills. So instead of having like a tube that you have to blow in to start the engine, oh my God. that's the current setup for these things. They will have a more technological version that will... It's going to be lasers, know. according to Sarah. Yeah, she... somebody said something about lasers. Another person said it would be some sort of a sniffer that would be able to detect alcohol in the air from your breath, in theory. Another one said there would be... Like uh, some sort of an infrared scanner on your steering wheel that would be able to detect your blood alcohol contact th- uh, content through your skin. Oh my god! So there's a bunch of potential kind of newfangled tech ideas. And what if in like 20 years from now we find out those uh, steering wheels end up causing cancer to people or something? Because well. they're like just doing stuff to your fingers without you having really any choice about it. Well, well your choice would be to not buy a new car ever again. In that case. And people want to know why I want to buy a V8 like sports car right now. Mm. V8s are going the way of the Dodo because the eco-Nazis are coming oh, yeah, down and saying, outlaw that. Mm. you know, I want, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm a baseball, hot dogs, apple pie and muscle car dude. Mm. I am an American and I like American things. And one <laughs> of the things Americans are known for is loud, grumbly, ground pounding, gas guzzling high horsepower muscle cars and i want one <laughs> i was gonna say you drive a kia <laughs> I dri- that's that's a work car though that is that is really for work it does not make me happy at all it's a pretty cool car for what it is but yeah, it doesn't it nice. give me it doesn't move me right you, you have know? a fancier or like a muscly car in new york right uh no in new york i have a 1976 volkswagen beetle Hmm. Yeah, that's the that's the complete other it, end from yep. muscly. Well, I yeah. I just knew it was like an older car. I couldn't yeah. remember what it was. So, what's going on in Europe, Bonnie? According to CNN Business, Europe will work, re, will require sorry Europe <laughs> will require car makers to install speed limiters from 2022, which we're in 2022. Wow. Okay. What do they want to limit it to? Europe's already limited to 155 miles per hour. So, what do they want to limit it to now? Wow, cars, never mind. I'll, I'll not ask that question. I was going to say, cars can go faster than that? Oh, yeah. How much faster? How, uh, how- I think I think the Bugatti Veyron, or the Bugatti Chiron is uh, is a 277 uh, mile per hour car. Okay, I can see that with like a Bugatti, but like, what about Ian's RAV4? How fast do you think that uh, goes? 130. Hmm, okay. 
Just just wondering. But for yeah. cars that are meant to do it, I mean, they like Germany's full of AMG Mercedes. They they're all capable of closing in on two hundred miles per hour. Mm. Yeah. What do they even have? What are they? They're going to have no reason to have the autobahn anymore. It doesn't say how fast uh, they're going to limit it to oh, here really? yet. I don't think. But it says new cars sold in Europe from 2022 will have to be fitted with systems to limit their speed. Mm. Under new safety rules agreed by the European Union, all new vehicles are required to have, quote, intelligent speed assistance systems as standard equipment. The EU rules don't mandate specific technology for the systems, which can be temporarily overridden by the driver. Some car makers have already developed ways of using GPS or cameras to detect posted uh, speed limits and make sure vehicles adhere to them. Wow. Whoa. Total control. Says European Commissioner Albita Binkowska said in a statement in that 2,500 people or 25,000 people are killed each year on European roads with the vast majority of accidents being caused by human error. So the, so the answer to your question about what the limit will be is, is whatever the road, right? So that they're going by the GPS, they're going by... And we know that on, uh, for instance, if you use Waze, which is a little map system that Google ended up buying a few years ago, mm-hmm. if you use Waze and probably, probably Actually, Google, Google Maps... Actually, Google Maps, too. Yeah, uh, that'll show you what the speed limit is on the road that you're on. And, and it'll show you how fast you're going. Correct. And it'll show you if you're going over, it'll turn the, you know, the numbers red and uh, give you a heads up that, hey, you're going too fast... So they already have all the data they need to put this system into place. Sure. All these new cars are completely computerized as yep. far as their operation is concerned. So yeah, I understand this libertarians. Is a software There's so many issue. libertarians out there with Teslas and stuff. And they're like, you know, they're like they're so mouth breathy when it comes to that. It's like, do you guys not understand that if you say the wrong thing politically, it's gonna be a cop with a button on his dashboard that can mm-hmm. shut your car off yeah. from space. <laughs> yep. You know, That's right. You've got Elon Musk owning the, you know, creating the cars and running the satellites. And if he wants to work with the police, he will just ha- deliver a button to the cops or whatever. Hasn't OnStar had that ability for years? Yeah, well, basically, yeah. Elon yeah. Musk will probably just have the police mess with your Neuralink chip to mm. where you don't want to go over the speed limit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's going to be a hard instinct to overcome with me. <laughs> This says, with the new advanced safety features that will become mandatory, we can have the same kind of impact as when the safety belts were first introduced, that woman uh, with the weird last name, European commissioner, said. The rules, which also mandate crash data uh, recorders and reversing data, were hailed by safety advocates, but others raised concerns over the risk of drivers becoming complacent and less focused on the road conditions, which is what we were talking about yesterday when Sarah called in and was saying, oh, they're going to make it to where cars uh, basically drive themselves now. Isn't that so great? And we were pointing out to her, uh, drivers are going to get complacent and just try to drive drunk more often. Most likely, they're going to be like, oh, my car drives itself. Sure, that's coming. The European Automotive Manufacturers Association also has concerns about the technology. It warned last year of many infrastructure-related issues holding back its widespread application. It said that road signs are not standardized across Europe, making speed limits difficult to detect. 
Digital map selects speed limit information for many roads. Oh, so roads. the automotive uh, association isn't opposing this based on any kind of principle of right. Hey, our drivers should be able to drive on their own volition, and nobody ever does. Everybody no. immediately capitulates with whatever whatever the politicians and regulators are saying. All these industry they, groups they yeah. come up with some clammy, milk toast reasons why. I don't know if this is a good idea. What they should do is say, you know what, we're just going to build the cars and uh, people who buy them can drive them. Yeah, that's what a a principled group of people that actually gives a damn about their customers would do. Correct. Uh, But no, they are just whining about how, oh, well, we just don't know if you can implement this technology. We're we're, we're skeptical is basically what they're saying. You might need to change all those speed limits in Europe first. Which would actually be a boon for whatever company makes the speed limit signs that gets the the contract. So there'd be a you know a great little nepotism deal there for somebody. Yeah, I'm wondering with if politics. the if the uh, the speed limit signs can be digitized so that mm. people who own fast cars can just hack them to read <laughs> 188 mile per hour speed limit, and you know that'd be great. That'd be sweet. Too. This little uh, caption under a picture here says Volvo limits its car's top speed to 112 miles per hour for safety. This is where the car nerds come in with the laptops and just tune that stuff right out of the car. The number here is 603-283-6160, except they'll probably make that a felony or something like that. You'll go to prison for the rest of your life. Uh, The number is 603-283-6160. You can join us and share your thoughts. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, you can join us here. Bring up whatever you want to discuss. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian, Matt, and Bonnie here in the studio tonight. We're talking about the uh, the new quote-unquote intelligent speed assistance technology that uh, the European Union apparently is going to be mandating that all cars sold in Europe... Sorry, new vehicles sold in Europe will be fitted with this system as of mid-July this year, or uh, mid-summer this year, sometime in July. And uh, Bonnie told us the story, and I asked if she, if her story had the details about exactly how they will stop people, and yours, you said it didn't. Uh, so I've got one here from the York Press in the UK that says that uh, the limiters work in various different ways but most reduce the engine's power by retarding the ignition rather than applying the brakes, since that might be a little more dangerous uh, to just all of a sudden, you know, put the brakes on on somebody's car. Uh, Danger drivers, they say, who try to speed will find their cars are unable to accelerate. Similar limiters are already fitted to powerful cars to prevent their engines from over-revving and causing damage. These systems will use one or a combination of the following. So if they discover that you are going too fast, if this automated system determines that you, based on GPS, where you are, what the speed limit of the road is, if they determine you are going too fast, they may give you an alert, and then if you do not comply on your own it may do one of the following things. It may automatically reduce the engine's power. You just won't be able to get any more acceleration. Uh, Gently pushing the driver's foot on the accelerator backwards. So to have some sort of reverse pressure coming from the accelerator uh, pedal. Physical feedback. Mm -hmm. That sounds really dangerous because what if somebody's just so used to that, they're like, you know, pushing the pedal 
differently than they would naturally want to push the pedal. I don't know. That just sounds dangerous to be messing with that. You mean like if they uh, they feel it pushing back at them, they just push harder? Yeah, and like maybe it stops and they're like speeding ahead. I don't know. It just sounds dangerous. You should be able to control that based on your own brain. Uh, they will issue visual and audio alerts and potential pedal vibrations if the speed does not drop. So those are some of the things that they are planning on implementing. It's gross. The yeah. whole world we're going into is like every dystopian novel and, you know, everything ever written that was dystopian. This reminds me of uh, this part is based on uh, Rush's Red Barchetta. If you ever heard Red Barchetta by Rush, it's mm-hmm. about... You know, going to his uncle's farmhouse and finding the the old muscle car, the old sports car that he keeps hidden because it's illegal to have those now. And yeah, you know, he's out running the cops in it, and it's all analog. I've heard the song. Didn't know what it was about. That's what it's about. <laughs> uh, Bonnie, did you have a quote from some Volvo guy or something? I don't know if it was you or or Matt. One of y'all mentioned during because we somehow got talking about Volvo and being purchased by a Chinese company and. Um, yeah, it says Volvo, which is owned by China's Geely, said earlier this month they would stop its cars from going faster than 112 miles per hour. It said it's also considering other other technology that could put stricter speed limits on cars driving near schools and hospitals. Quote, <laughs> we want to start wow. a conversation about whether car makers have the right or maybe even an obligation to install technology in cars that changes their driver's behavior. That's Volvo CEO Hakan Samuelson. That doesn't sound to me like they are actually wanting to hear what other people think. No. It sounds like they've made up their mind and they're just using these terms like, oh, we wanted to have a conversation about... With regulators. Uh, well, yeah, right. That's probably who they're actually talking to. But he makes it sound like we want to talk with our drivers and see what they think about it. And uh, no, they're going to do this regardless because the government is going to uh, mandate it. And these companies are all too quick to jump through the hoops. And, you know, Volvo is a great company to to do that because not to insult any Volvo drivers in the audience, but they're techie nerds and they're dorks and they tend to followers hmm. okay yeah let's put it this way ithaca new york is crammed with volvos and always has it's college been. town right it's not that it's a college town it's just an extremely left town extremely well, left tends to be true yeah, okay i guess towns. one way is the other yeah there's two and it's an ivy there. league one right Isn't yeah it? cornell university yeah. and ithaca college are both there so. that ithaca dollar guy was there and he was such leftist Ithaca. Oh, right. Is the, it called the Ithaca Hour? Yeah, you're thinking of the Ithaca yeah. Hour. Hour. Ithaca yeah. Hour, yeah. yeah. Um, any other thoughts on this uh, car situation? Tons, but more than I want to pack into this episode yeah. of Free Talk Live. That's bad news. And if they're doing it in Europe, why wouldn't they try it here, too? You know, these people are control freaks. Big time. And they're already, you know, like we said, they're already mandating uh, DUI checks in all new vehicles come 2026. There's no reason why this couldn't be in the next mandatory uh, car package. And of course, it all brings the costs up. It all mandate, you know, all the new things they want to throw under the hood and in the in the dash just makes it so these cars are even more expensive mm-hmm. than they already are. And of course, they're already way expensive because of inflation. 
And they're not going to get any cheaper, not with all these mandates. A lot of the things they want to do to cars, the first thing I think of is they want to make it to where you can't get away from the government. Like if if you're getting, you know, chased by them or something, you can't go any faster. Or you said something wrong on Facebook and now they're just going to turn off your car. You're going to go out and get Mm. in the car in the morning, try to start it up, and it's going to do nothing and say, please call administrator to find out what you did wrong on the internet last night. You're banned for 12 hours. Once your Twitter uh, ban expires, we'll let you drive again. And it's like those... uh, self-driving cars that would know where the roads are and stuff i have always said i don't want to be restricted from driving off road if i need to Mm -hmm. and you know i took you as soon as i got the kia i took you for a ride in it because that has some self-driving attributes to it that's that are pretty freaky what do you think about them as a a guy that likes to drive i don't like them (sighs) um i think it's pretty cool like the technology but i don't need that in the Mm -hmm. car I don't need that. I think uh, the purpose of it. So the Kia isn't really. It'll self drive for a period. I have a Kia Nero hybrid, and it'll drive itself for a short period of time before it starts to yell at you and throw alarms, and mm-hmm. then it'll just shut off the self driving stuff and veer you into a guardrail if you don't pay attention. Okay, it wants you to drive the car, mm-hmm. um, but for a while it will. And I think the purpose of it is to. It's got the lane stuff, right? Yeah, keep lane, lane keep assist, and and you know. Uh, uh, reactive cruise control and it can sense a car in front of you it'll just slow down right. and keep pace with it or whatever yeah mark edge's car has that stuff too the honda that he's got. does it and yeah I've, and i've driven with it when we went to new york a couple years ago I, I drove with it and it just bothered me i don't know it's somebody who enjoys driving i didn't like having this other thing yeah in and, control and i'm with you there i mean like i said that car for me is a business that's a work car that's a traveling mm-hmm. long distance over the road car um and for that it's really optimal. It's a really, really great car. It does that job very, very well. And I think the purpose of that lane keep assist is basically to, there's a safety factor involved, but also I think it kind of, it, it's well, sure, for less people that fatiguing. You're not steering as much. It's less fatiguing on a long trip. It's pretty, it's kind of mm-hmm. nice. I, so for that reason, I like it. As far as a driver's car goes, as far as getting sideways and making lots of noise and throwing lots of smoke and spent rubber and just sucking six miles to the gallon it doesn't do that and all that stuff is so fun and <laughs> i'm never going to be able to do an obviously you know a, a traffic course with it and, and you know race a parking lot with it with my friends on a saturday afternoon it's never going to happen in that car we got more coming up your calls and thoughts are welcome the number is 603-283-6160 uh crackdowns happening in hong kong will tell you what they're doing they're rounding people up who support democracy it's free talk live Live. You can join us here. Bring up whatever you want. The number 603-283-6160. Whether you want to comment on the new regulations in Europe that are going to mandate that this summer all new cars be fitted with some sort of technology that is going to basically tell you you can't speed and force you to stop speeding. Uh, you want to comment on that? You're welcome to do so. Ian, Matt, and Bonnie in the studio. Let's go to Alu Axelman calling us from New Hampshire, where What's he up, is Alu? co-publisher over at the Liberty Block. Hey, Alu. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? So last night I officially published my book I've been working on for around a year. It's my longest book, and I think my best book. It's called Presumed Guilty. It's all about how D.C. politicians destroy due process and how we can restore it. And obviously, I'm sure you guys know the ending of the book, 
but maybe I'll keep it as a bit of a, a secret for readers who want to enjoy the whole book. But what I realized throughout writing the whole book is almost every violation of due process, including the surveillance and the vehicles that you were talking about in the last segment, that I think I've been warning about since 2017. When I was on radio in Connecticut on AM radio, um, early 2017, I was warning about the inevitable, like it, it was inevitable that they're going to have uh, speed limiters and um, intoxication, um, checking if you're intoxicated or, or driving distracted or mm-hmm. impaired, and uh, surveilling and speed and speed monitors. They already have governors. They already really can, like Bonnie said, if you run away from the government, they can shut down your car. They already can if they really want to with OnStar and other programs. Right. Every car has that. Mm-hmm. For that no, not um, every car but, has OnStar, but they're they're going to get to the point Probably where, every new car, right? No, I don't know if every new car has OnStar. It's a, car it's a package. Like 96 or something. It's an optional um, package. But yeah, I mean, it's inevitable, but, but they're going to make it even easier, what they said a few months ago. I think they made it even easier to shut down your car. Um, but yeah, now I saw an article a few days ago about the iPhone is going to integrate. It's going to be so great because then if your iPhone learns that you said anything inappropriate and you're essentially a bigot or insurrectionist, maybe it'll shut down your car. Mm-hmm. So that'll be amazing. But I talk about the, the surveillance stuff and vehicles and violations of privacy without due process a lot throughout the book. So there are a few chapters on traffic law, surveillance, Obviously, um, NSA and, and overall just the federal government spying on us. But overall, the solution is going to be from decentralizing from D.C. and then decentralizing down further to the individual. That's the only solution to this. Yeah, absolutely true. And that's one of the reasons why you're one of the biggest promoters here in New Hampshire of the idea of independence, not just for New Hampshire, but for anyone that wants it. And uh, you were recently in a great panel discussion that took place at the Liberty Forum, Bonnie and I had the pleasure of, uh, of attending that event and got to see that happen live. But that video is now online, and the Free State Project has it on their uh, their Odyssey and their YouTube channel. I linked to it over at nhexit.us for anybody that hasn't seen it. You should drop in. It's about a about an hour long, not quite uh, an hour long panel with a great question and answer section. Plus the uh, the great Daniel Miller from the Texas Nationalist Movement was there. He's the president of that movement, and man, he really added a lot to the panel. He's he's been at this for decades and had a lot of experience and was really uh, a great communicator for the ideas of of independence. Yeah, he's amazing, and he just told me he's going to try to come to the podcast for a day or two nice. this time. We're hoping maybe on Tuesday to have a panel with Daniel, me, my dad, maybe a few others, maybe Matt, who started the New Hampshire Independence Pack, and maybe a few others from other movements. Uh, Daniel also got us in touch with the guy from Puerto Rico, Exit Movement, because they want to leave the union. Oh, I haven't heard uh, anything about Puerto Rico. I know that every now and then they have uh, a vote to stay or go or join the the United States as a state. They always vote to not join as a state. Yeah, a guy named Javier Hernandez, super smart guy, speaks a trillion languages, um, very, very smart. He wrote the book Brexit for Puerto mm. Rico. So I just got that book. I'm looking at it now. Oh, cool. I'm going to read it at some point soon. Where can, so somebody go to, where can somebody go to order your new book? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Um, it's on Amazon right now. I self-published it. So the paperback and ebook are on Amazon. If you just search Amazon for Guilty, you'll find it or look for my name, Alu Axelman, or go to Liberty Block. It's all over there on the Liberty Block on every page of most. And I just wrote an article about how I published the book and stuff. Um, and then um, the audiobook, hopefully, thanks to Bonnie, hopefully coming soon in the next few weeks. The audiobook, I'm super excited about that too. Me too. So if anybody here wants to, I didn't know if you wanted me to announce that yet, but if anyone listening wants to hear an audiobook read by me, I'm reading the audiobook for Presumed Guilty. 
Yeah, you definitely want to order it. Go to libertyblock.com and just check uh, Alu's latest article for links. Because if you just search presumed guilty without using your name, you get all manner of like videos. And <laughs> it's, not, it's a title that's been around for a while. So you got you to gotta be specific which one you want. Awesome. Yeah. Um, anything so else you want to share with our audience tonight, Alu? I think that's all for now. I'm feeling pretty crappy, so I can't even talk without coughing. All right. Best wishes. Thanks. For Thanks. Thanks for the Keep call. Up, Appreciate it. Check him out at uh, libertyblock.com. The dude never stops. Is it the Liberty Block? Just libertyblock.com. He's always blogging. He's always doing activism. He just, I think he just bought the uh, custom license plate NHXit. <laughs> for New Hampshire, which is pretty awesome. He never stops. So yeah, dude yeah. I'm stops. surprised. I, I, think, bunny. I think the him saying he's uh, sick is just a cover. He's really a robot. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go to China and get another update. We've been talking a lot about the lockdowns in Shanghai, but that's not all that's been going on. Uh, the Chinese government has been targeting Hong Kong recently. I mean, they've been targeting them ever since they took over back in the late 1990s from the British that had control for i think a 99 year lease and then they gave they had to give that up over to the central communists in uh, beijing and ever since then uh, they've been slowly whittling away at any sense of uh, independence that hong kong might have had and according to the guardian in a report filed a couple of weeks ago uh, free media in hong kong has now almost completely been dismantled uh, by the government crackdown, clearing the market for an expanded pro-Beijing state-owned media sector, said a new report by UK-based advocacy group Hong Kong Watch came after their correspondence club announced it was suspending its human rights press awards because it didn't want to unintentionally violate the city's wide-ranging national security law imposed in 2020 by Beijing. The working environment for local and foreign journalists in Hong Kong has become increasingly difficult, said the report, detailing the widespread use of lawfare against journalists. You guys know what lawfare is, right? That's like using laws to wage war against people you don't like? Yeah, basically you bring lawsuits against people. Oh, lawfare. And yeah, you bring lawsuits against them and you just load them up with so much court stuff that they can't get anything done. Hmm. And they're just tied up forever in courts and now their That's new disgusting. job is, is fighting in court. That's wow. The federal government's kind of using that against uh, the host of this show, right. the Crypto 6 situation. Mm-hmm. Although in that case, it's criminal. Uh, in this case, it may or may not be. In library. That's basically sure, what library. library. LBRY.com tied up with the SEC for now four years, spending millions of dollars to try to defend that case. So uh, going after them with national security law, acts of imita- uh, intimidation and police violence, mass sackings, and government intervention or censorship of outlets. It noted the redefinition by police of who constitutes a journalist, the pending introduction of a fake news law, and the criminalizing of traditional research methods. Since the 2019 pro-democracy protests, a crackdown has seen the closure of Apple Daily, Stand News, and other independent media Sources and citizens now fear retribution or legal consequences for even speaking to the remaining journalists. A government intervention has stripped the public broadcaster there, RTHK, of its former editorial independence. And a chilling effect has spread across remaining media, with some engaging in alarming levels of self-censorship. In one example, Chris Wong, a former news presenter with the TVB broadcaster, described Hong Kong Watch's attempts to report on the attack on pro-democracy counselor Andrew Chu in 2019, whose ear was bitten off. The attack was evidenced by clear photographs and video, the report noted. 
Quote, the script the editors provided said Mr. Chu's ear fell off naturally somehow. Nobody did anything. It wasn't a bite, and the ear just fell to the floor. The editors didn't want to cover violence by pro-Beijing blue supporters. Because if Why they, even cover it at that point? Right. Just lie and say, yeah. oh, it, it fell off for natural causes. He got sudden frostbite or whatever. That's psychotic. It's insane. But these are people who are, you know, like these uh, dri- these driving co- these car companies, just obedient. They're going to do what they're told. They don't want to end up in the, the Chinese gulag. So now they're just carrying water for the Communist Party. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. If you're in Hong Kong and you aren't out yet... You better consider doing that as soon as you can. Uh, There's more coming up here, and you can join us. 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. Phones open here, where you still have some freedom to speak. Luckily, we're not located in Hong Kong, where the mainstream media is under fire. Any media is under fire there by the Chinese government. That's not to say things aren't happening similarly in the United States. I mean, the mainstream media here has been a government lapdog for decades. But here they're just kind of scratch each other's back. It's like a, a mutual agreement where if you don't do what the government wants you to. to yeah, a couple of FBI employees posing as, uh, you know, news readers. Yeah, they may, be, they may be doing that. I don't know if there's evidence for that. It's almost a certainty. Though. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But no, here they, they incentivize the media to behave in the way they want them to by saying, oh, well, if you don't hop to and do what we say then you won't get to interview any of our politicians or they will incentivize them to do what they say by fbi rating no knock rating places that don't do what they say yep like that project veritas yeah and, and maybe we'll get Free into project veritas tomorrow night because there's a new video where i guess an fbi agent has come out well not fully he's like in the shadows right but supposedly he's come forward and was like a voice uh they modified on. his voice, yeah, uh, where he's talking about how they're targeting media, apparently. And I haven't watched the video. Bonnie, you saw some of it today. I don't know if you yeah, watched it. I listened the to the whole thing. You did. But okay. it was like I was getting kind of bored in some parts, so I didn't really pay attention to some parts. But Yeah, we'll take a closer look at that tomorrow. But for right now, focusing on where things are definitely getting worse at a much quicker clip. That is in Hong Kong, where they're giving us some examples here at The Guardian of just how they're cracking down. Uh, just totally manufacturing alternative versions of stories. Uh, in 2019, they give an example of a, a pro-democracy counselor who was attacked, ear bitten off by pro-Beijing uh, forces. And the editor of this particular television broadcaster there, the RTHK public broadcaster, insisted that they, that they report that the man's ear fell off on its own. <laughs> That it had nothing to do with a violent attack or a bite. bonkers. Why even report at that point? Just don't report on it. Yeah. Hey, look, everybody. Socialism's working. (laughs) Wang also said they were ordered to call protesters black shirts and to not cover their press conferences while running the press conferences by the police in full. Quote, unfortunately, TVB damaged the reputation of its journalists, and because of their reputation, all their former employees are living and working under a lot of public criticism. 
The report also detailed multiple acts of police violence against journalists during the protests, including some which appeared targeted. And then they go into just so many of, uh, you know, so many different examples of this. I'll put up the full story for you on our social media over at social.freetalklive.com. It sounds like the level of bleakness that can only come from extreme statism. Yep. Uh, The report also accused papers of publishing propaganda, including descriptions of a 2021 vote for the Legislative Council as, quote, the most successful since handover, unquote, meaning handover from Britain to the Chinese, despite a historically low voter turnout of only about 30 percent. The general public for now can still get news from remaining free media and international outlets, quote, but in terms of Chinese language, local media, they really have a much narrower choice. And the danger then is they're getting info filtered through the lens of Beijing's propaganda. And if I recall correctly, there was supposed to be like, I don't know if it was a 30 year or a 50 year transition period. So when the Chinese took over in 1997, I think it was from great britain it wasn't an instant crackdown they didn't come in and bring the troops you know in the next day it's been this slow dripping they literally said they were gonna boil the frog slowly did they say boils well when they tell you they got a 30 to 50 year transition plan that's basically saying we're gonna boil the frog slowly Hmm. then the frogs all stayed in the pot anyway yeah if communism is so great why couldn't they just jump right into it yeah yeah well, because they had to, like you say, they had to propagandize people. Mm-hmm. They had to take over the schools. They had to slowly silence the protests and change out the the guard of the city council. And Get rid of the right. statues that memor- right. memorialize yeah. uh, Tiananmen Torture Square. Or whatever. Yeah, Tiananmen. Uh, so that's one example. And then another one here from the uh, Australian news, news.com.au. China's now rounding up pro-democracy advocates in a new chilling crackdown on those wanting a different future for the nation. Uh, China's begun rounding up notable pro-democracy advocates, including one of the most senior Catholic clerics in Asia and a well-known Cantonese pop star in a move that's been blasted as deeply troubling. In a new low, Beijing came out swinging in defense of itself today after the arrest of a 90-year-old Catholic cardinal under Hong Kong's national security law triggered international outrage and deepened concerns over Beijing's crackdown on freedoms. Retired Cardinal Joseph Zen, one of the most senior Catholic clerics in Asia, was among a group of veteran democracy advocates arrested Wednesday for, quote, colluding with foreign forces. Unquote. The Vatican? Who knows? <laughs> they'll, I'm sure they'll have a secret trial. I, I wonder if it is the Vatican. I bet that's who they're talking about. Next uh, show that I'm on, I should, use, uh, I should talk about this for show prep. It says the Hong Kong pop star Denise Ho was a pro-democracy activist, and she was arrested at her home. That's interesting. Yep, she was the next person uh, mentioned in the article. They also arrested a veteran barrister. That's another word for an attorney. Margaret Ng and prominent cultural studies scholar were also arrested, and the latter arrested as he attempted to fly to Europe to get the hell out. So they snatched him up before he could leave. You are property of the state. Yep. And that's true here, too. Just FYI, don't mm. go around the United States acting like you're any freer than they are. You like might you be, know. but it's only on its face. Yeah, it's, that's why I say I'm glad we can still at least have the semblance of free speech mm-hmm. here. Yep. We, ha- we If we ever want it to be real, you got to stop 
sitting around and do something to make it real, real, real. I think we're doing a pretty good job here in New Hampshire. I think if you are just, you're ignorant about the fact that uh, the government actually controls your body and life and everything, start off by actually reading all of his book. As I'm reading it, uh, doing the audio book, that, that perfectly sums up how you don't have any actual control over your own life in the United States. That's Presumed Guilty by Alu Axelman. Yeah, it's just an illusion. And the differences between here and North Korea and China are really just in degrees. It's mm-hmm. not to say that we shouldn't be grateful for having relative more freedoms in some ways. Not grateful to government. That's but what I yes. was exactly thinking. Not yeah. grateful to the government. Grateful exactly. to the people who have held them off for as long as they have in America. Yep, and if you want to hold them off longer, the best thing you can do for yourself, if you're a libertarian or a voluntarist or a liberty-loving anarchist, is start planning your move to New Hampshire. Don't delay. Get here as soon as you possibly can. Come here this year if you can. If not, next year, get here and don't wait because before you know it, you might not be able to leave wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And that sounds crazy, but it could be the case. We've watched this accelerate over... I mean, just in the last five years, you can watch it. COVID was... A dead giveaway. You know, if anybody didn't see it through COVID, I don't oh, yeah. know what to tell you. Yeah, if that didn't wake you up, and if you weren't already making plans, and yeah, wake up. If that up. didn't wake you up, you must be like zero pulse rate at this point. You gotta yeah. Be- I must be dead. And I feel really bad for the libertarians who are still focusing on the National Libertarian Party and they're all geared up to go to the convention at the end of this month and they're going to, we're going to take it back over for freedom. And it's like, oh, well, good luck. I'm Um, I'm excited for that to just be over so I can stop seeing tweets about it. Oh, they'll still be, there will still be drama after that's all over. Something's going to happen where some group disagrees with another group's interpretation of a vote or whatever Mm -hmm. and they'll be fighting over who got elected and it's not going to end. And and if the, the Mises caucus does take over the party, well, good for them. Now you have the control over a completely ineffective uh, national organization that no one pays any attention to. High five. Yeah. If you want to actually make a difference, then you got to be in New Hampshire where the libertarians are not only paid attention to, but they are attacked uh, in hit campaigns, they have uh, postcards that are mailed out against libertarian candidates here, the free staters that, that run for office. They are attacked regularly in uh, mainstream media, in letters to the editor. The status out there are doing anti-free stater seminars about us. They're doing anti-free stater protests on the streets. They're buying advertisements to try to oppose us. They started a podcast uh, to go against the free staters. No one anywhere in any libertarian party outside of New Hampshire ever has this kind of effect. True story. It cannot be accomplished because there just aren't enough of you. And the, the, the best part about the whole thing is every time those opponents open their mouths, it reads... Like a like a move here ad. It sure does for, for for the Free State Project for for the Liberty Migration. It sounds to any Liberty type person. Wow, that sounds awesome. What are these people complaining about? Oh, and the, the protests are usually like four people on the side of the road, a bunch That's of like it. old yeah. government lovers that They're always don't even really make sense. They won't talk yeah. to you if you go up and try to have a conversation with them. That's true. That's because they don't know what to say. They don't want to have. Oh, a I hate conversation. freedom. They wouldn't admit that. Exactly. But, yeah. That's why they don't want to say it. Uh, out of time for tonight. Back tomorrow. You can join us online in the meantime over at freetalklive.com. We'll post both of these Hong Kong stories at social.freetalklive.com on the Free Talk Live profile. <laughs>